Welcome to the Business Bites Podcast, the podcast for busy entrepreneurs. Whether you're an online entrepreneur or seeking after brick and mortar success, this podcast brings you quick bites of content so you can learn and grow anywhere you are. Now here's your host, Rachel Brainke. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode of the Business Bites Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Brinke. I am joined by my friend and fellow entrepreneur, Lacey Nelson. Lacey, I'm excited to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So Lacey is probably one of the most entrepreneurs that I respect the most. Like I, I, like I'm stumbling over my words because I absolutely love all that she's done. She owns Nelson Management Strategies. She works with managers and turns them into leaders, helps them grow their businesses through investing in their teams, which is why, and if you guys have listened to my other episodes, I really look to Lacey and respect her because management is one of my weaknesses. It's one of the things that I have been working on. She not only has the company of Nelson Management Strategies, but she also has co-founded a conference that I spoke at last year, Iron and Mortar. It is a Pacific Northwest affiliate summit where industry leaders come together with micro gym owners and they basically discover their superpowers in strategized ways to help people uh, find and thrive through their fitness journeys. Uh, Lacey and I are very similar in that we're both athletic. We both believe that competition makes us faster, better, um, and also that collaboration is a key aspect to that. She's also a mom. Sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No. I just love, Lacey, like, I just love your entire, like, background. She's a mom of two young boys. She has an extremely patient husband, which is entrepreneurs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think we need to have that. Um, uh-huh. And she's just an overall amazing woman. So, Lacey, thank you for taking time and your extremely busy schedule to talk to us. Oh, well, such the the opening. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I'm just really excited to share with you guys today about management. And you're not alone. Most people who are entrepreneurial, um, management actually isn't their strength. It's uh, something that is a necessary evil to get the job done in a lot of uh, uh, the framing that people put it in their mind. So I love to help reframe it and help you see it as a tool to actually push your business forward. That's good because it's one of those things that I know I have to do in order to scale and grow. I'm just not thrilled with it because I don't excel at it. Um, So I think we're going to focus the discussion today around delegation. And when we talked about this before getting on here, I went right to this idea of burnout. Because for me, that's what prompted delegation in the beginning. I have the classic entrepreneurial mindset of I need to do everything. I need to touch everything in order to make it happen. And that stunted my trajectory in the very beginning, and it caused a burnout. So when you're working with these business owners, what are some of the symptoms of burnout? Because I know for me, it may not always be readily apparent, especially if you're a new entrepreneur, you kind of just feel that being tired and overworked is synonymous with entrepreneurship. Right, right. No, that's really common. And actually, a lot of people um, have the experience where they don't recognize that it's happening and they just keep pushing and until they've hit the wall. They wake up one day and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so burnt out. And it feels like, where did this come from? But there's actually some 
some really classic symptoms of burnout that you can look for in yourself to go, am I headed in that direction? And um, first of all, just to define burnout, what burnout is, is living in a, a state of chronic stress. And that is not healthy for us. It keeps our cortisol levels high. It makes us susceptible to illness. Um, and some ways that we can check ourselves with, am, have I crossed that line? Am I headed towards burnout? Is if we are in a state of physical and emotional exhaustion pretty much all the time. So do we have a short temper? Are we physically just tired and dragging? Are we getting sick all the time? Um, cynicism and detachment. So stuff that once gave hmm. you joy or excited you. Now it's like, mm, meh, you're feeling meh about a lot of things. And Third is feelings of ineffectiveness and a lack of accomplishment. So just feeling like you're hope there's hopelessness. Um, it's you have an increased irritable uh, irritability, and you get caught in that cycle of of feeling frustrated with yourself because you're just not performing up to your own standard, and it just keeps that that cycle going. And all of those feelings escalate until you wake up and go, "Gosh, I am burnt out." But there were those warning flags along the way. I feel like with us listing these symptoms is now when we like cue the commercial to like plug the medicine and we give all the disclaimers. <laughs> but it's true. I'm glad that you gave that list because and I want you guys to go back through and head over to the show notes. It'll be at rachelbranke.com forward slash EPI 50. So this is episode 50. And you guys can kind of run through that. And I recommend you to keep this list. Don't just do it now and think, oh, you know, I'm not burnout. out. Uh, I don't have to worry about that. I guess I'm good to go because I feel that business truly like ebbs and flows. And as you progress in your entrepreneurial journey, more opportunities present themselves, which for me, as someone who loves to grab opportunities and I'm multi-passionate about things, it's really easy for me to fall into burnout and I have to check myself to not allow myself mm -hmm. to get there. And I'm really glad that you noted that it's not something that you just overcome once and then you've mastered, oh, I'm not going to be burnt out anymore. I figured out the formula because unfortunately that's not how it works. Um, the way that we're wired and entrepreneurs, uh, people are wired, we're go-getters. We're type A's. Let's do this. We run on 110 all the time. And it's, um, it's something that it, we have to learn to manage in mm -hmm. ourselves and it definitely isn't something that you just figure out one time and then you've got it. You need to be checking in with yourself all the time mm -hmm. to recognize, am I headed there again? So, but there are things you can do. And so what would be the first step to fixing this? I mean, obviously recognizing it, we gave them the symptoms, but kind of tying this into the management and delegation and growth of business, what would you recommend be the first step to help fix the burnout? Great question. Um, it's not very sexy or exciting, but the very first step is check the basics on, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like, are we sleeping enough? Are we eating healthfully? We get to sleep as entrepreneurs. <laughs> <laughs> are we drinking more water than alcohol? Like, right, right. right. <laughs> and just because vodka are, is clear doesn't mean that it's the same. Right, right, exactly. And so those are the first like super basic checks. And oftentimes when I get really real with, with managers I'm working with, with executives, they tell me, no, they're not doing those things. So let's look at the basics first, back to basics. But beyond that, once you've got past that, okay, I'm starting to tick those off. You need to do, um, take an inventory of what your stressors are. So mm -hmm. what are the things that are really 
pushing your buttons or making you feel like you're going over the edge. And um, the, the number one thing that I think people need to do first is let go of the fear that by backing off or handing something off, that you're going to forever lose that drive mm-hmm. that makes you you. Mm-hmm. Cause I think we feel like, Oh my gosh, if I don't keep pushing like this, then I'm not, I'm not going to be driven or I'm going to lose my edge. And actually it's, it's counterintuitive. It's not true. You're going to actually regain your edge by giving yourself some room to breathe and some room to restore. That part of you was born into you, that drive, that creator, that, that desire to always find the next thing and take it on. That's not going anywhere, but you need to pause it for a minute. When you think about like when you're training and you get an injury, well, (laughs) I sure have trained through injuries I probably shouldn't have, and it set me back in the long run. Mm-hmm. So it's taking that time to back up and let your injury heal and pause a little bit and assess what do I need to do to rehab this situation? And that's where we can take a good look at delegation. And so how do you even initiate delegation? Because for me, a lot of time I resist it. And this even now, like a decade later, the resistance to add on another team member to delegate to, or even to offload a task to an existing team member, for me, Uh it's more tiring to think about doing that. So I just don't do it because then I'm thinking, oh, then I got to train them and I've got to get all this. I got to get myself organized. I've got, you know, I've got to do all these things just to get to the delegation portion And that ends up paralyzing many business owners. I don't think I'm alone in that. No, you're definitely not. And I would agree. Um, The first thing that I would would say is that I agree with you and that it is work to delegate, but it's, it's work that you load up front and it pays off huge dividends in the end. So when you just keep slapping band-aids on your situation and limping along, um, it's you're going to limp along, but versus when you actually take the time to do it right, mm-hmm. it may be time. It will, I'll be honest, it will take time up front to get that person set up to carry out the task, task appropriately and to your standard. But in the long run, it's going to save you, I mean, so much time and headache that it's definitely worth it. And another thing that I really like to encourage managers, executives, to, and executives to think about is, um, the whole concept of, oh, we got to take our weaknesses and work on them and turn them into strengths. No. I personally think that's a lot of garbage. I don't really I agree believe with that. You. I agree um, with you. I think what you need to do is you need to find a task that you're excited to get off your plate. Mm-hmm. That when you think about like, God, I hate doing payroll or I really, it just sucks up so much of my time to do my books every month. Those are things that you can outsource to cut to companies if, if, you don't have it in-house, you can outsource that. You can find an organization that loves doing that work and will do it probably better than you can once you get them set up with the information they need. Um, And uh, it really can feel freeing when you start framing it. It's something I'm not good at. And why would I spend hours of time I could be generating income or making connections or working in my strengths to work in my weaknesses. Mm-hmm. For example, I paid someone to build a website for me and it was an investment and it was so worth it because it would have taken me an entire year to do what this woman did in five weeks. So I love it. I always try to tell myself or ask myself rather, do I have to be the one pressing these buttons? And especially if it's something that I'm not that good at, I <laughs> try to get it off my plate. 
I mean, balancing that with, I have to force myself sometimes, but I still do believe that the managers and executives in a business need to still at least touch every task. So Lacey and I aren't saying, you know, just look at something you need to do and never touch it. You still need to be able to know what is involved so you appreciate and understand what that individual that's going to fill that role for you, what they're going to go through. You need to understand it enough to set expectations. And this is more of in-house type stuff. Maybe not so much if you're hiring like professional services, CPAs, etc. But like for me, social media managers, virtual assistants, um, I mean, it can run the gamut of different positions that you guys may have. But I still think that we need at least our fingers need to touch all tasks just to see it and then kind of make a plan from there. Absolutely. And you're, you're going to know like in-house when you know what you're delegating, like social media, you know what you want, you know what that end product should mm-hmm. look like and mm-hmm. should feel like. And what can be hard is letting go of that because you have to have enough skill to effectively communicate that to the person you're handing it off to. Mm-hmm. And so often we hold all the pieces to the, like we have the picture of what this jigsaw puzzle is supposed to look like. And we're giving them like three pieces and saying, good luck, figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so we really need to get better at communicating. What does the back of that puzzle box look like? And how do these pieces fit into it. And also communicating really, really basic things that we sometimes take for granted that others don't know. We need to give them the boundaries they're working in. We need Mm. to say, here's your budget for this project. Here's the tools that I think you're going to need. What tools do you think you're going to need to be able to accomplish this? Mm -hmm. This is what I think success will look like. How are you going to know if you're successful? I'm going to check in with you at X, Y, and Z touch points on this project Mm -hmm. to see where it's at. And we're going to talk about how your progress is going. And you're going to be you're going to be touching the project along the way. You're just not going to be the one executing every single step Mm -hmm. to make sure it gets where it needs to go. But you are going to be monitoring the progress through effective management. Well, you know, and with this delegation, for me, it's even more than just offloading and freeing up my time. It's also creating a company culture. I don't like to say corporate because I don't feel like I'm a corporate business, I guess. But a company culture, this identity that my team members have within a unit as well. Um, I just, this morning, so funny, we're having this conversation today because (laughs) I was doing this with my own employees and we were talking about the tasks that they enjoy and then also Uh looking at the tasks that they're good at as opposed to some they may not be as effective at and often that was those were correlated things they enjoyed they excelled things that they were okay at they probably did not enjoy as much and for me sitting down and being able to hear from them even though I feel like I've done a good job of having this open door policy we actually finally said sit down across the table and tell me what it is let's go one by one this is a free open environment they just spoke freely and now we've shifted things around just today alone and like who's gonna do what task and we'll report back in like maybe 20 or 30 episodes and see how well that went but yes um. (laughs) yes absolutely and you made such a good point you need to find the right like the person needs to be in the right seat on the bus right Mm -hmm. so you gotta find the right person for the right job and you you do build culture when you start trusting your people to operate within their strengths and to excel and to show off and to do something better than you can do it that is huge for company culture and for building trust in your employees and for them to trust you and to feel like, oh my gosh, this is a place I want to be. And it also 
with you sit down and talk with your people like you are, you're going to start learning their goals and their professional aspirations and where they want to go. And instead of feeling like, gosh, I don't want to ask this person to do that. You need to reframe it into you're giving them an opportunity Mm -hmm. to meet their professional goals that they've set for themselves and to grow their own portfolio. And um, if you are constantly holding all the cards and not sharing that, you're first of all, you're not going to keep ambitious people very long because that's not going to feed them Mm -hmm. the way they need to be fed Mm -hmm. to stay around. And it's not good for the for the company culture. It's not good for the environment. Um, You're not going to attract and retain the kind of people that you want working for you. You know, one of the other things that I have found by trying to delegate and hire people is that I want individuals that are as ambitious and driven as me, but then it hit me one day that I'm not actually going to necessarily always have entrepreneurs to fill those roles like I want them. They won't necessarily have all those qualities because if Uh they have all those qualities, they'd actually be out going and doing their own. You know, I've had people who are in transitionary periods between going from a corporate job. They'd work with me part-time to learn and grow, but I knew and help to cultivate because I was totally cool with getting myself some help in the meantime, teaching them some things, I get support, and then they were going to move on. I just have always struggled as hard when I'm like, I need another entrepreneurial mindset, but then I have to kind of reel myself in to go, well, if I was going to have another entrepreneur, that's more of like a business partner rather than a team member. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say, you're looking for a partner, not a team member. Mm-hmm. It don't If you think you want to pull in another entrepreneur and then and then try to control those reins. I mean, imagine managing yourself, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason we work for ourselves. Exactly. So um, there's a lot of fire there. So there, there definitely, it, you, it is okay to pull that person in if you both have the understanding um, of this is temporary, this is part-time, but don't ever view them as like, this is going to be someone who's going to stick around because they're not. They're mm-hmm. going to be building their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um and I, not that you would ever do this, but I actually have run into situations where people have been promised um, partnerships and then just strung along for years. That's awesome. And they they give everything they have and then they burn out and they're never fully brought on as partners and they're made promises or they, they at least perceive they were made a promise and it wasn't kept. So mm-hmm. don't ever do that. Don't make commitments you're not going to keep. Um, be very upfront with people to what they're what the possibilities are for them in the organization, but don't make a commitment you're not willing to stick with mm-hmm. just to try to keep them around. You know, and that's a good point. I mean, I feel like there's a conversation that needs to be had in the very beginning, but it's going to evolve as the employee, I say employment, but it could be independent contractor, temporary right. people. Um, it's going to evolve the, the amount of time, the more in-depth work that they do for you, which brings me to my next question. And this, you obviously already probably already know where this came from. It's on the idea of performance reviews or maintaining hires and giving this sort of feedback. Back. I went to this thinking what you just said. I could prompt people along, talk to them, incentivize them from the initial hire, but also in like these routine review or sit down uh-huh. type meetings. But I know that you're not a fan of performance reviews in the traditional sense. I'm not, actually. I think most of the time, performance evaluations are just something that people think they're supposed to be doing. So they pull something off of Google, and they kind of, you know, doctor it a little bit for themselves. They don't really think through it, and then it's just this arbitrary, nerve-wracking process on both ends of getting a number that goes nowhere and sits in a drawer all year. And those are garbage. Don't waste your time. Don't waste their time. But there is a way to do it right. 
Um, evaluations are a great tool when they're actually used well and they're thoughtful and they're intentional. Every evaluation should start, especially for small businesses, should start with a discussion where you're just having a give and take conversation. It's guided. You've got some questions in front of you that you want to get your answers to, but you're asking them things like, first you open the door with letting them brag about what accomplishments are you most proud of in this last evaluation period? Mm -hmm. What areas do you want to improve in? And, And don't tie it to like, having them look at their form, just generally speak, like, what are you feeling good about? Where do you want to improve? And then you start asking them to give you feedback. And this isn't always fun because if you have the kind of relationship you need with your employees, sometimes they're going to tell you things that you don't want to hear and they hurt a little bit, but they make you better. Mm-hmm. So when, when you ask them things like, what have I done to help you do your job better? And what have I done to hinder your job performance? Do you have the resources and tools that you need to perform your job? And then uh, some scarier questions that you can ask when you're part of a small business, um, any business really, but uh, how would you describe our culture here and how could you be part of maintaining or improving it? And then the scary question, how could I? So they're going to tell you if there's hypocrisy in your walk, you're going to hear about it Mm -hmm. when you ask that question, if you have an uh, environment they feel safe to talk to you in. Um, And then you can also start asking them, like, how do you see yourself contributing to this company in the future? So these are times to hear what their aspirations Mm -hmm. are. What are their, where do they want to reach for? And if you're having this conversation on an annual basis, there's, there's more questions. But if you're having a conversation like this on an annual basis, you're going to get some really good insight to where your people are at. And you're going to be able to have a good sense of, um, what tasks should you delegate to them? And that's before you even get into the numbers portion, which you should do. But that discussion piece is just as important. And often it's not done at all um, or very minimally. It's like two questions and we're done because this is uncomfortable and we all want to get out of here. Right. So, so would you recommend them doing it more than once a year? I kind of feel like we do this a little informally in our team meetings. We'll kind of drop some of these questions. So it's not like a full on sit down, which we did today, but mm-hmm. um, I feel like we more mm-hmm. frequently do that in, because we want our team members to feel part of the team. We use that language right. because we want a team environment, not right. I'm the boss, which we know, let's be real, the exec assistants are the boss, and I tell Pam that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, I don't want to be, I'm the boss lady and you're the employee. While that may be, like, the legal classification, um, I definitely want to cultivate the more team Base, but yeah. so it, gets, it gets back to my question because I'm rambling as usual. How often do you think <laughs> we should do these evaluations? Um, that's a good question. I think that you should do a formal evaluation with ratings, um, which you can evaluate like core values and how they're doing with carrying out core values and how they're doing with actual um, task performance. Mm-hmm. And those are tied to numbers. Um, you should be doing that with the conversation once a year at least, maybe twice. It depends on your people. Mm-hmm. Now, you should be setting goals quarterly. Mm-hmm. I feel that quarterly, individualized, not company rah-rah goals, those are important too, but individual performance goals on a quarterly basis, where and no more than mm-hmm. three, um, and maybe four if you do a stretch goal, where they're really working hard towards something specific that they want to develop or improve their skill set or maybe improve their communication in-house, something that you can measure and come back in 
in a quarter and let's, how are you doing? Let's check in on this. And it doesn't have to be the big, long discussion again. It can be like, hey, we're going to have a goal check-in. It's going to take you, you do need to prepare for it because you're going to need to ask them to, you're going to need to look and see how they're doing and, and pull up that measurement and ask them to to tell you, be prepared to tell you how they think they're doing on it. So it does take a little prep, but it's really, you know, it could be a 15, 10 minute conversation in your office and then great. What's next? Let's set the next goals or continue working because you haven't quite hit this one yet. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that you bring up the quarterly stuff because I'm probably a broken record. I work on quarterly. So it's always my recommendations in the podcast. It's like, you need like a quarterly plan and then you need to work on yes. this quarterly just for me because if I don't set hard dates, all of a sudden it's going to be a year and I'm going, oh, I haven't done anything. <laughs> right. You know? well, and also like our businesses are living, breathing creatures, right? right? We might set something that makes complete sense at the beginning of the year, but then six months down the road, you're right. like, wow, we did it. We had something unforeseen come up or an opportunity and we're, we need to shift gears a little bit here, but you have never backed up to reset people's goals to align with where right. you're going. Right. So it- then you get to the end of the year and you pull those reviews and you're like well these aren't even really valid anyway and that's where it can just go off the rails and you don't use them anymore and then nobody has goals anymore so Lacey do you I mean I know the answer but do you provide coaching specifically on this to people that need a little bit more guidance than what we've talked about today Yes. Uh, Executive coaching is one of the services I offer and I absolutely love it. I love working with entrepreneurs. I love helping them identify where they want to go, where they're falling down, um, what their strengths are. And then, and oftentimes I hear like, it starts with like, oh my gosh, I've got this employee that's really causing a problem. And so we really dig to Okay, where's it coming from? And then systematically, what's going on in your organization that you got to this place? Yeah. And we're going to band-aid it for a minute, but we're also going to go into surgery and we're going to fix what is falling apart and the things that you can control to prevent this in the future. My recommendation would be more of a preventive. Like, I I get what you're saying because I'm kind of on the end of that from the legal side. People don't really come until they have an issue and then we're like in full-on OR. And I would prefer if you guys are listening with still down, take the things that we've talked about here. I'm going to put all the show notes again at rachelbranke.com forward slash EPI 5050. And that way you guys can go through, run through the items, but to make sure you really do set a plan, maybe reach out to Lacey, get in with her and make, have her evaluate what's going on so that you can make a plan before hiring somebody. And I've got a couple other episodes that we talk about like in, independent contractor, employee and contracts, but I don't want you guys to jump in head first, get so excited about delegation because we convinced you and then not only do you have legal issues but then you've lost a lot of time money and energy and that's been one of my business mistakes in management is that I'm not appropriately hired I'm not appropriately managed and then it took I just didn't want to fire people and I wasted a lot of money and it just Uh, the relationship soured in the end because I wouldn't just buck up and do what needed to be done for the business either 99% of the time it people that need to be let go are held on to for so much longer and it just makes it worse for everybody. I hope it doesn't come to this, but I also coach people through firing, which is awful when you have to do it. And, um, but it is something that is, that it it needs to be done right for a lot of reasons, which from your legal side, I'm sure you Mm -hmm. know that well. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, awesome. Thank you, Lacey. I so appreciate it. Do you want to let them know where they can find you? 
You sure can. You can find me at nelsonmanagementstrategies.com. You can also find me on Facebook at Nelson Management Strategies and on Instagram at Lacey, L-A-Y-C-I underscore Nelson. Awesome. Well, thank you, Lacey. We appreciate it. Guys, please go look at the show notes. Listen to the episode again. A lot of great information here, stuff that I wish I had known. In fact, I'm actually going to re-listen to it later, take a couple notes because my team members deserve the best manager. And so I'm going to continually keep working to be better. And I hope the same for you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining Rachel on this episode of The Business Bites. For show notes, a list of recommended tools or referenced episodes, you can find them at businessbitespodcast.com. Until next time.